0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for a special Thursday afternoon edition of Splash Play. Today we have episode three of our rewatch of Playmakers
1: and some NFL headlines. Things are heating up with Julio Jones. Spags, it is a fun time in the NFL. Where even though games are very far away, we still have news to talk about. We do have that Playmakers re-watch, which You can also catch up with on the playlist on the Splash Play channel. But you know we're dying to get to it, so let's hit that intro and get to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the football podcast for every game under the sun. And as always, I am Chris Spags, joined by a man who I am greatly excited for. We texted about this week. You probably saw it on Twitter. The newly free man, Peter Overseck. Congratulations. And how are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. I'm doing
0: good. Uh, Although I'm already getting like in the Discord. I went to the gym and people were saying I I wasn't responding to them in the Discord. And now I have a responsibility because I have no
1: job that I need to be able to
0: respond to every message in real time. So I'm feeling a lot of pressure, actually.
1: I did enjoy seeing your your tweet repro- approach to that, really, where some of the guys in the industry, uh, Kyle Dvorak one guy I've worked with at Osmo awesome. is going over to NBC Sports Edge. And of course, Pat Corain, to people on Pete's channel, as well as who've uh, done some shows here on Splash Play, in addition to the ship chasing show, going to NBC Sports Edge. And I did think it was funny, your approach of, hey, everybody else is gaining jobs, you're losing one. But for <laughs> you, that's really the big gainer.
0: Yeah, no, I'm excited. It's been a long time coming. I, I knew I wasn't going to make it to August with being able to juggle it all as kind of fantasy football ramped up and stuff. So excited to uh, to pull the plug and uh, dive in. And again, it's mainly continuing to do everything I've been doing, but hopefully better, hopefully putting more weight behind it, more partnerships, um, all of that good stuff. So
1: yeah, I'm excited. And hopefully there'll be some exciting trickle downs for both Pete's YouTube channel, which if you're watching this on right now, make sure you are subscribed to that channel as well as a splash play channel too. We got to get those numbers up over there as well as for the podcast. If you can give us five stars and a review and of course subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify. We are continuing to do shows all off season long. That includes our playmakers rewatch as well as keeping close tabs on the news every single week, but help us out. Go check out the podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Again, those five stars and a review help out a bunch and throw us a follow at splash play pod too. you we will know whenever we go and ep- uh, go throw up an episode uh, if we change the times around like sometimes we have to obviously a holiday weekend we know you guys have a lot going on Pete's traveling I'm going to be here still continuing to work <laughs> like I'm like a monkey but still that is how it goes here in the content world so uh, follow at Splash Play Pod and we will follow you back too because we care about you guys out there in fact I just followed somebody back during the show because that's a kind of love and personal touch we give but Pete you mentioned the NFL headlines and let's talk about him now Patriots now leading the odds for Julio at least on some of the books that I was seeing A.J. Browns and posting viral TikToks and reportedly the Falcons have received at least one offer with a first rounder. So I know you're following the stuff pretty closely for the work you do too. So how are you feeling about the Julio odds of things shifting around for you at all? Yeah, because we talked about it
0: last week, kind of running down through all the things. I believe Patriots were your kind of ideal destination. That one, I think still makes a lot of sense. I don't remember Titans being mentioned in that article as something they would be able to pull off uh, cap wise. I mean, obviously on paper, it makes sense. Like their wide receiver too is Des Fitzpatrick or Josh Reynolds. I mean, he would immediately slot in and be a big part of that offense. So I'm not actually sure what the salary cap constraints might be there and why it wasn't referenced as a possible destination before, but the Patriots still do make the most sense to me, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. The one that I did see this week that I think has some merit would be the Raiders. I think that is a team that could make a splashy move cap-wise. They're one of the teams that has to move some stuff around to make it work, but that's one that I think we didn't hit on last week that I would give a little bit of a bump to because they could certainly use somebody to soak up some more of those targets and a a Julio Jones, Darren Waller combination would actually be pretty potent, you would think, with what we saw last year from the Raiders. So, um that's one in, but yeah, I like the Patriots being the leading odds getter. I did feel like that was a pretty good bet on the board and I'm intrigued to see if it works out for them because it does seem a ESPN had an article actually. It's funny because the NFL is so clearly in the offseason. But you know, the ESPN homepage right now is Pete, top four destinations for Julio Jones.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on. That's, uh, we know what everyone wants. I mean, the Julio buzz is big. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. The, the actually going to the Raiders is interesting. Last night on ship chasing, we had a big, long debate about Darren Waller versus George Kittle in fantasy drafts this year, because Waller has kind of surpassed Kittle as the consensus number two for a lot of people. I think Julio going there would really hurt that case because the whole case for Waller, yeah, he's good, but it's a volume play. And, uh, if Julio goes there, uh, I think him and Waller then are kind of competing alphas there for targets. And that would probably, uh, hurt Waller's outlook a bit.
1: Yeah, especially a tight end where it's so hard to find that volume. And even Kyle Pitts this year, like no matter what configuration the Falcons you get, sort of hard to imagine getting into that tier as well. So uh, maybe Anthony Ferkser is a great white hope for tight end uh, this year, (laughs) just pure tight end volume. But it is an ugly situation. One that obviously, we'll be talking about a lot in the coming weeks. Another big news item that I feel like we just have to hit on here. Aaron Rodgers doing the match with Bryson DeChambeau going against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. And actually, Pete, I don't know that I know your stance on golf because I feel like with all of your content bits you've done, all of your interests, and how they, they move around a lot. I don't recall you ever being a golf bro, but I, I might've missed that somewhere along the stream. Yeah, I'm not
0: a big, I like playing golf. I've played a little PGA DFS, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not in the golf streets. I, I do find it, even with DFS action, I personally don't enjoy the golf sweat. I've, I've heard all the pro arguments for it, the cut sweats, all that stuff. I I don't know, it's, it's just not for me. Uh, I, I don't mind you know watching a, a major finish on a Sunday or whatever, but it's never fully captivated my attention. I think this is just interesting though for Rogers. Uh, it seems like he really and I, I'm very pro like take advantage of your platform, take advantage of all the opportunities. but he it just seems like he wants to do anything else but football at this point.
1: It's one of those things where it does feel like him dating Shailene Woodley now, who is like an actress who's been you know, in the system for a few years and doesn't know how to work it. Like all of a sudden he's realized like, oh yeah, like I've been doing ads and stuff and doing some media here and there, but now is like my time to get famous and it's just odd because like he's been in the public eye for like 17 years now, 15 years now, long enough time where like he could have been building this and all of a sudden it occurs to him and he wants to be everywhere and and I also feel like too, for him at this point with trying to get that Jeopardy job like I kind of think this could be bad exposure where if Aaron Rodgers comes off as less likable or a bit of a weirdo throughout this process, which I think is possible when you're miked up for 18 holes, like it is something where like, if he's not complete charming here, I feel like he could lose whatever foothold he might have on the Jeopardy job.
0: Do you think that all of this stuff, the Jeopardy, the match, Do you think this is a concentrated effort by him to do like good PR to like try to, you know, salvage his name after there was all the stuff with the family and, you know, the arguments with the front office and stuff? Or do you think he just like genuinely loves doing all
1: these extracurriculars? So I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think for him though, it's more like, Hey, you know, I'm on the last legs of my career. So now it's kind of the time. Actually, this does kind of dovetail with the playmakers conversation, but he's like Leon where he's like trying to figure out the media thing. And I feel like that's where Aaron Rodgers is where he's planning for retirement now or whatever comes ahead. And he also happens to be more in these Hollywood circles where he's been dating kind of famous people doing the the Taylor Swift strategy of dating people who kind of add to your fame level recently. But obviously I'm sure he enjoys uh, these people relative to whatever as well. But I do think that, you know, that is a part of it too, where it just seems to be like he wants to be famous for whatever comes next, and then to kind of keep that train going. And it's it's an odd change though, because it does feel really pronounced. I think in a way that kind of feels phony, but that's always been Aaron Rodgers. So this is
0: this is really pushing the limits of what's an allowed tangent here. But mm. uh, Aaron Rodgers having dated Olivia Munn, and then I don't know if you saw or if you followed John Mulaney, the comedian, did, yeah. got divorced and now is dating Olivia Munn, which just like. I don't want to be one of those guys like if John Mulaney and his wife can't make it, who can? But I did really feel that way about that one because I've seen John Mulaney do stand-ups. Like his whole bit is about his wife. He's like a wife guy. That's his thing. Uh, He was like a big part of his stand-up set, his online presence. And then it's like, how did he end up in rehab and then get divorced and start dating Olivia Munn within like, four months i was like what is going on here john so
1: so it's funny because we didn't talk about this on the show but this is actually a conversation i had with my girlfriend and some friends at various points too where i immediately put out my theory put my plan in my flag that when he went to rehab it was because he had cheated on the wife and that was to me clearly one of those like oh, you've gotten too loose now, like go to rehab and then this is the way that we can fix this or whatever. And then he goes to rehab and he's just like, no, like I'd rather be famous and bang Olivia Munn. And Olivia Munn too is apparently chasing him down for a while where she had like tried to hang out with John Mulaney and the wife for a period. I read that too. article, yeah it was like weird Olivia Munn's apparently like very into like chasing down married guys is what I <laughs> actually what the girlfriend is telling me because I guess she has a history of it but weird situation and I agree like to me John Mulaney it's it's not like Louis CK because they're two different scenarios but it is like oh you're this really likable guy that has this one relatable thing that you've kind of planted your flag in, and then you throw in this other curveball about who you really are and whatever and it's just I'm sure it'll still be funny like to me he's one of the funniest comedians I think we've had within the last you know 10 to 15 years but I do think you know it's sort of hard to find him that likable when he's basically just big timing kind of like Aaron Rodgers. These dudes get so famous and it's like, I just have to live that life to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. And I guess the only reason I would, you know, buy like the narrative with rehab and stuff is like one, he has talked about his previous addictions with, with alcohol and drugs when he was younger, but also a thing I've seen with a lot of those comedians, like us, we just like threw ourselves online during the pandemic, but John Mulaney was used to being in writer's rooms, used to traveling. And I think like they didn't feel like throwing themselves into a podcast project or an online streaming thing. And they're like, I guess I just have to sit around for a year. And I've heard some interviews now from him, like Jason Manzukis, these guys who are like very active live performers. And they just felt like they were just like in a closet for a year, unable to do anything. And I could see that like pushing someone who needs a creative outlet who has a history of substance abuse to just drinking and blowing
1: up his marriage, which is, which is sad. But, uh, I think the the pandemic was
0: hard for those guys.
1: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I'm proud. I know people out there, maybe I know based on other shows I do with Osmo that people hate when you're on a sports show and you talk about things besides sports. But I do feel like you will not find a more nuanced John Mulaney take on a fantasy football podcast <laughs> this offseason right now. But I'm with you on it. I hope John Mulaney works out. I'm glad he's doing shows again. And and honestly, like I don't blame him. Like Olivia Munn, I, I certainly would have no issue there. I think maybe we've all seen some photos of her, though. I think she actually uh, does now work going into well. up. <laughs> she was also nude on a television show at one point, so or a movie, so you could also Point to that as well. I love how you Mund, went from
0: we sure. just had like a very productive conversation about Java Lady to we've all <laughs> seen
1: some photos of Olivia bud I mean, she's a lovely gal, and I hope it works out for them. Apparently, they met at church, Pete. I don't know if you knew that part, so <laughs> yeah. <funny. laughs> yeah. Celebrity Church in LA. One thing that I have not done out here that apparently I'm just missing the boat entirely. Um uh, I guess you are gonna be careful with that. You when you go to celebrity church in LA, you end up deep inside the bowels of the church of Scientology there. Well, I I think it's weird though because like there is a Scientology part, but then there's also people who are like very into Christianity too, but also with Scientology like fervor. And I think that's an interesting wrinkle too. One that they would see right through me. And I also presume if I answer a church at this point, I would just be lit on fire <laughs> yes. the, the moment I come in. Do um, you have a pick for the match? By the way, if we're gonna go Aaron and Bryson versus Tom Brady and Phil, I think Aaron and Bryson for whatever uh, you could say about both of them as as personalities, like you know being a little bit less likable than the other guys. I do think Aaron and Bryson win this one. I would say handily.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I was going to go. I, I actually don't know how good of a golfer Rogers is. I will say like Brady seemed fine in the previous match. He's now used to this format being under the limelight here. And I could see Bryson, you know, getting himself in trouble on TV, just really trying to bomb it. Uh, as he's
1: known, maybe he's a little loose, not as focused. Give me the Brady and Phil side bags. All right, well, well, we'll have to revisit this one. Maybe we'll put some skin in the game for ourselves for the match, because why not? We've got to fill this time somehow. Tim Tebow headlines always floating around. This will be our last one before we get into playmakers. Trevor Lawrence quotes the most recent. Now I'm just going to read the full Trevor Lawrence quote, and you tell me what you think about it. You might have seen it already, but I just think it's an interesting quote, and Trevor Lawrence, I think, acquits himself very well with how he handled it. But he said, I could say he's in great shape. You could tell he's been working, getting ready for an opportunity if he gets one. Like I said, you could tell he's ready. He's really smart. I think it helps that he played quarterback for a number of years and learned a few different systems Now learning a new system at tight end is probably a bit less, a little bit less as far as a learning curve, just because he's getting to learn to tight end position. Now he's great from that standpoint. I think just what he brings to the team, that's just a guy you want to be around. Great character, super hard worker, just does things the right way. Those are the initial impressions for me. Trevor Lawrence saying a lot without saying absolutely anything at all. And I do think for him, like this is to me why he was the number one QB wasn't even necessarily the on field stuff with some of the performance that we talked about where he, he was very good by any stretch, but still maybe some other guys better, but Trevor Lawrence coming in, like he's like a CEO ready to run a team with these kind of quotes. And I, I kind of loved it from Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is total bullshit. Like it, every everyone falling over themselves to try to say something nice about Tim Tebow as if he's going to have any bit of relevance on the football field. This is like when, who is it? Like Bill Murray or whatever gets signed to a, a one-day contract to play for the Yankees. Like this is more of a publicity stunt than this is a way for the Jags to actually win football games. I just absolutely refuse to believe that Tim Tebow at this stage of his life after refusing to play any position other than quarterback is now going to realize his natural position as tight end and crush for the Jags. This is all fucking bullshit
1: it is something too where maybe our younger people out there watching us or listening to this show might not remember some of the stunts that have happened with the nfl in the past where like i vividly remember the brock lesnar one where he left wwe was on the vikings team i think actually would have made the roster if he didn't get hurt but but that was like a rare exception because he's a freak athlete who we then saw go to ufc and dominate and do all that but like teams do these kind of stunts sometimes they'll bring a guy in and then just run him out their training camp and just hope to get a little added attention and then that's it for him and I find it hard to believe Tebow makes the actual roster at this point, but from a merchandising standpoint and all that, like maybe there is some way he makes it just because like for Jacksonville, if you want to put asses in the seats for week one, Trevor Lawrence helps, but Tim Tebow really like it could be a sellout just from having Tebow be the third string tight end
0: yeah i mean this is this is just like urban meyer just having fun it's the chip kelly thing all over again getting the band back together i'm sure he sold himself on this being like a great locker room presence uh i mean i, I whatever the over under is on number of touches for tim tebow this year i want the under
1: what would you set that line at i feel like uh 10 i i was about to just say 10 yeah, yeah. i I, I'm intrigued by ten because that's just one. That's I mean one touch of a game of him playing for portions of the year. It's not impossible. And I also I, I feel like we have to talk to the chat. I see Pete, you're replying in the chat right now. But uh, Corey saying that Pete says this, but still takes him in best ball. So uh, a little bit duplicitous touting for you, Pete. Apparently trying to drive down that Tebow stock. Yeah, I took him in the
0: last uh, last round. I'm actually trying to get him after the draft now uh, by driving down <laughs> his
1: stock. One can only hope that uh, Tim Tebow. I, honestly, I want to see Tim Tebow do well. I hope so for Jacksonville. Jacksonville, one other weird news item, which we don't need to talk about, but they hired a, an EVP or head of football operations in February and then have already fired him. So something weird, the Jags organization that uh, already urban guys going down. But are you ready for playmakers? And, and Pete, did you know that this is actually a part one of part two that, that that's a follow up next week? Because I didn't know that until the end of the episode and it wasn't even on the episode itself. It's something I saw in the description.
0: I did not know that this was a two parter, but I was on honestly shocked like the way we kind of I think how you were talking about or maybe like a little thing I had read I thought you know like the piss man that was like the crazy episode I I think this episode was 10 times as crazy as the piss man like I I I was telling the guys in the discord I I based the ridiculousness on how many notes and quotes I wrote
1: down and I think I've like double the notes from last week's episode like this this episode blew my mind yeah this episode had a lot more big craziness where I think the piss man was more about the little beats but let's get into it playmakers episode three the choice and if you're watching on youtube hit the like button here guys and if you are watching this episode and you somehow missed our other recasts of episode one and two go check those out in the playlist on the splash play youtube channel so you can catch up with our takes on this one but we open up episode three the choice part one dh is at a crime scene with a dead body getting questioned by a cop after a friend seemingly encourages dh to say the possible shooter is with him dh says he's with somebody in a bathroom which was a hot girl hooking up with but it turns out that we are doing another flashback thing or flash forward then flashback thing and uh, i guess what were your initial thoughts on this one because i i did i did immediately remember dh being in the situation but i forgot which way he was going to go with it and i think there's a credible argument could have made that he could have sold the friend out immediately and and probably been in a better spot for his overall life
0: well, it, it does end up coming full circle at the end and you realize, you know, what this choice was for protecting his bud. But like at the time, you're like, why is it a big deal that he was in the bathroom with this chick and he's like being so guarded with it. It's like, who gives a fuck? Just say you were, you were with the girl in there. I did also love the opening, you know, it's like 2 5 AM and you hear the sirens and it felt like an episode of cops like was about to start. Um, so yeah, we were already off to the races with the, uh,
1: with the melodrama here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it is. An, I don't like the narrative device of them starting with something that's occurring now and then flashing back for the entire episode. I'm, I'm starting to get a little tired of that, but hopefully they, they break out of that curve soon. But that's two episodes in a row of they're doing the shtick. And I think um, it worked again here, but at a certain point, I feel like that trick does end. Uh, but DH scoring a touchdown is the next part. And I don't know if you noticed this, Pete. I'm actually curious if you did. Um, was there something incongruent to you about that first scene of DH scoring a touchdown and then doing the Superman celebration? What do you mean? so they had another running back doing the actual running until they get to the end zone part. where like, it's like another black guy of a different skin tone oh. entirely. And he's wearing, it looks like he has a visor or they like blur the face or something, but it's like, clearly unless I missed something in the feed, maybe it could have been the low quality on YouTube, but it looked like a completely different guy. And then they go to DH and he's doing his stick. But I think they couldn't even get DH to do like a, like a 10 yard touchdown run that actually looked credible.
0: That so, they had to get the uh, the body double to uh, I believe to make, so. I
1: believe that's what it was. Yeah, I mean,
0: I would I would fully believe that, that it's just like Omar Gooding must not be very athletic. Well, even uh the, the guy whoever plays McConnell as the quarterback, I mean, his throwing motion there, like it's clearly McConnell, the actor, throwing those. And I mean, it is a rough like it has like one of those like hitchy like wind ups there, all elbowed out. And you're like, this does
1: not look like a professional man throwing the football. So DH does a celebration where he puts a Superman styled sticker on himself, celebrates the crowd is very into him. And it does seem we had one note about his stats as well. 112 carries or 112 <laughs> yards, excuse me, 112 carries honestly might've been possible as well. Given the seam under 12 yards, 23 carries for DH. We know he had at least one touchdown. So I got to say, first of all, the crowd thing is one thing we talked talk about, but DH, I think we have now clearly defined him. He is a first round mm-hmm. fantasy running back. Yeah, no, I was, I believe it's like what, four and a half yards per carry.
0: A uh, pretty nice workhorse role there. Um, um, and as we learned later in the episode, because the writers are still so remiss to feature a wide receiver, we have still yet to see a non-running back catch the ball. That spoiler, it's a DH here catching the wheel route it's because they just refuse to show a wide
1: receiver catching the ball. I mean, he's the entire offense. We did get the one guy who had like some generic white guy Polish name. It was like Svarcotski or something. Yeah, who McConnell overthrew him by fifty yards. Yeah, I got <laughs> I, dude. I got so excited when I saw the back of his jersey. I was like, "We're gonna
0: get some non-DH fantasy points," and then the ball goes right over his head. Um, one other quote uh, that I wrote down about DH that just killed me is he was doing the kind of voiceover and he says. It just opens up with your parents are dead, dot, dot, dot. Don't care about losing a game, which like, yeah, when you put things in perspective in that way, I get it. But then four seconds later, he goes, besides you played great. And we're like, all right, we're back. Whatever goodwill DH had you know, brought up by reminding us of his parents' death, he just immediately erased it being like the true reason I don't care is because I played well, not because my parents are dead
1: yeah it's i guess you know he wins both ways then other than the part where both his parents are dead i suppose but uh, yeah that's kind of seems to be dh's mo and he, he did play well so kudos to him i guess we will see that flip the cougars lost leon isn't happy with dh even though mcconnell i mean here's the thing with dh like dh did do the grandstanding all that but did have a good game mcconnell unequivocally the one who blew the game uh, he's being interviewed by reporters he says i don't play it safe if that's what you mean and then the reporter asks, even if that's the smart play and then mcconnell clearly defeated which pete i feel like you might relate to that with some of your chess battles recently, but he clearly got outdueled by that reporter.
0: Yeah. And I also love the, uh, the quote that set that up as he goes, the media wants to mess with your head. And I was like, I'm pretty sure the objective of the media is just to get a cool quote that might lead to like an interesting story. They just want something interesting to write about. They're not actually trying to play mind games with you, McConnell, but this girl is like doing this like game of cat and mouse, trying to trap him in a logistical puzzle or something. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it should have been like, uh, you know, hey, McConnell is uh, it should, comes out and says, hey, I played like shit. Uh, I'm sorry for my teammates. Like that would have been the quote. He would have been fine. There would have been no mind games involved. He could have come out clean. And actually, there's some good questions in the chat. So Corey saying DH is not Derrick Henry. Lou Sherman saying DH is CMC. I don't think he... I think he's just a pure, like, through-the-tackles runner. He hasn't shown great outside burst. He hasn't shown a whole lot. And that play, the wheel route, was like a broken play, too, that McConnell (laughs) just extended. I mean, we're going ahead now, but I think DH is purely, like... I think he's like Lendale White more than anything. He's just Lendale White that's, like, running hot right now.
0: Yeah, but I think he might be such a big part of the offense that he is catching three to four balls a game just because they refuse. Like, until the writers introduce some other pass catchers, I have to work
1: under the assumption... That DH is touching the ball literally every single play. I think it's probably maybe some screens. I feel like they seem <laughs> like a team that would do some screens because they can't they can't block anyway. So maybe you just set it up with that. Uh, but I feel like DH to me, I, I see him as more of a between the tackles runner. But hopefully we'll get more color on that. Um, let's see. McConnelly's reporter gal, oh the reporter gal, very uh, horny reporter gal at this point. Samantha tells Leon that Philly <laughs> lost their star running back and they called the Cougars for Leon. Twenty five carries per game available in that role with the trade deadline coming up. And this plotline went away very quickly i guess it's sort of the vehicle to get to the next parts but like who did philly get philly had like this seemed like a, a win-win trade for everybody and they don't take it
0: yeah so i mean the deal that comes out is we know that a, a first round pick and another pick were offered for a backup running back on a guy <laughs> who had recently torn his acl i mean this is just absolutely incredible stuff imagine a team like uh, i'm trying to think of a good example here um, you know, giving up a first round pick for Jamal Williams or something like it's, it's absolutely, bo- or it'd be like James Conner. It'd be like if the Cardinals yes, that's a paid good the the Steelers a
1: first and a third to get James Conner at this point in their career. I mean, it's wild, wild stuff. And yeah, not the best use of draft capital, but that seems to be one of the key points of playmakers that teams that know what they were doing in the early two thousands. So you could take that away. Leon comes home. Actually, reporter gal wants to celebrate, which <laughs> yeah. I would say, Feels like poor form, both as a reporter and professional woman.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the hallmark of this show of like, you could do something more subtle like the show don't tell version of like okay we know that there's an existing dynamic with them and we can kind of pick up the subtle undertones to her talking to him but knowing that there's like this sexual tension beyond that instead she's like petting him in the locker room it's like we get it it's the same thing with McConnell's having sex and it's like we get that his mind is in other places he's like staring in the other direction it's like you think this woman is going to continue having sex when the person is looking in the complete opposite direction
1: i mean look i don't i don't want to i don't want to talk big here pete we might have we might have collectively had sex a few times in our lives and i have to say if i ever completely avoided eye contact oh, with a woman just, it, would just be so.
0: it was it was legit like he was she was the son and he would be blinded if he looked at her <laughs>
1: just looking off like like very emo too just staring off in the <laughs> distance like you cannot your tramp stamp girl is not going to be very tolerant and, of that and the
0: best part about it is like also if that happened like the woman is going to immediately check out of the experience and they like flash forward and she's still like doing foreplay on his neck and stuff and she's like no i can get his attention if i just work harder
1: <laughs> gotta honestly gotta admire her and the reporter moxie like to their credit, very horny women. The woman's sexual revolution very much alive on Playmakers. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, I do. Just real quick, a couple other notes from the locker room scene that that killed me. Uh, just really awful writing as the coach was talking about um, playing next week against New York. And imagine like um, uh, who would be like Nick Sirianni, you know, for the Eagles, hyping everybody up in the locker room after a bad loss and saying next week's New York, a division rival on the road. Like no coach talks like that. Like you don't tell your team that it's a division rival. That's what a pundit says. You just say, we're playing the fucking Giants next week. We have to win. That's what the coach says. But the writing is just so
1: lazy on this show. It drives me crazy. Actually, are you you watching Mayor of Easttown at all? Yeah okay so we started watching that yesterday because we're trying to catch it before the finale and i think one thing about the show no spoilers about it but one thing they do well is like the exposition in the show comes in like natural ways where it's like oh this character is explaining to a therapist like why this has occurred or this character is explaining to this like why this has occurred and i feel like playmakers is the exact opposite where it's like oh this feels like a natural way to bring up that you know some character died or something and instead in this show it's like yeah like football teams play occasional other teams very frequently <laughs> who are geographical <laughs> rivals. And it's like, thank you playmakers for spelling that out. So I fully get it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah,
0: what, what else was from that locker room? Um, yeah, no, I, I think that was it. Uh, I
1: just thought the the coach there, just like the least believable, like, let's rally the troops speech there. Yeah, not quite the game of inches from any given Sunday. Leon Ansu being flirty with his wife because Philly <laughs> might trade for him. It's the chance he's been looking for. He's willing to go for three months and find a place and uh, it's, it's tough to continue this take on this episode where things start to go south in their relationship. But the wife, not supportive of the PEDs now not supportive of him being traded. She doesn't want to leave because they They moved from Carolina three years ago, which is honestly a pretty good amount of time for a a pro athlete to be in a spot. And then she's also suspicious of the reporter gal and wants I think him wanting to move is reflective of that. I just feel like the wife sucks. I think, you know, you could also say Leon sucks. We've said that too on the show, but their relationship is just trash. And like, I do feel like the wife is kind of cruising the right way here. They probably just shouldn't be together at this point.
0: I will say to like my barometer for like the show, like I'm dialed in like in almost every scene, like excited to see what ridiculousness is gonna unfold. But when they have Leon and his wife scenes, I'm like, this is just painful. Like, can we move on from this? Although there was really one funny moment uh, in this scene where it ends with her just flipping him off as she walks <laughs> away, which I just, I, just, I know it's supposed to be like a tense moment, but I'm just imagining getting in a, an argument
1: with my wife. It just, her walking you are like fuck you i'm out <laughs> like making a gif on your <laughs> right there. yeah that's they they have a tough dynamic and the wife uh really uh, well it gets worse we'll save that yeah DH, I, go god ahead. it does yeah, do you have anything else worse. in the house scene or do you want to keep it moving no yeah that's it's my least favorite part of the show <laughs> it's it's uncomfortable the leon suffering continues but i uh, i guess we won't spoil that yet dh introduces the owner to his crew of tyrell smalls and cal so reasonable names for these guys i guess besides smalls smalls clearly a, a key figure here the one who controls the phone it seems based on how often he's calling dh the owner supports DH's on-field. antics. says he's going to be the face of the team, the face of the family. Whereas Cal and Tyrell have rap sheets. And the owner says his friends shouldn't be here. The owner wants DH to do a charity golf tournament on the day of his friend's GED graduation, which, quite frankly, I didn't know was a thing. It might be a thing. I don't know that that's a thing. And he says, you stay with the friends you grew up with or they're going to drag you under. And uh, that is a core theme for the episode, Pete. But I feel like the the racism, the subtle racism going on here, a lot of it. But like the owner does have some decent points that I, I guess get borne out by the end of the episode. Another one
0: of just my all-time favorite DH lines that just absolutely killed me. Uh, he goes, uh, the the GM goes, your friend Cal was found guilty of aggravated assault. And he just immediately goes, so? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it happens. That's life in the streets. I know. Just like, I feel like a more believable reaction. Just like, just feign some concern of like, oh my God, dude. Yeah, he's such a bonehead. Like, that's awful. He's
1: just like, so? <laughs> Like DH's devil make hair attitude is what guides him <laughs> on the field and with his choosing his friends, I guess. And then, is there anything more
0: just like forced and manufactured than th- the drama of this episode? Is whether DH would go play golf? for $5,000 with these, these guys or go to a GED party. Like those were the
1: stakes of most, most of this episode. So here's the other part too. And I, it's actually a question that I have for you. The owner says people are willing to play five or pay five K a hole to play golf with them. <laughs> so that means $90,000 that these telecom executives are willing to play. And it, I don't know what charity golf tournament was going on. Cause there was clearly only one group there. And it was just these four guys hanging out and playing golf. So the owner, I don't know if he's selling a bill of false goods or that they were just like, we don't need to produce a whole fake golf tournament here. Let's, just kind of do this small group. Uh but I did think Pete, is there anybody? I know you you like to spend your money in occasionally silly ways. Is there anybody you would play you would pay 90K to play a full round of golf with? No,
0: not even close. I mean what about I, 9K? I don't even I don't even think so either. I, I mean I guess I'm trying to because here's the thing too like a lot of these guys like I might love them as athletes and fantasy players but I don't necessarily know if they would be that fun to play a full round of golf with I'm trying. there's probably, man, who would I want to help? Help me out here. Do you have someone, yeah. would you play five well, K for a full round of golf with someone?
1: What about like not sports would be my question. And I, then you're opening up to a hot girl stuff or maybe you're playing a <laughs> round of golf. So you're, so I guess that's Cedar out <laughs> escorting <laughs> me and Olivia
0: bun five k <laughs> out on the course
1: (laughs) yeah i i would say that's one option i i personally wouldn't like i don't care about collecting things very much like overall and i i don't have that mindset where for me like i'll throw things out like i've I've thrown out things that probably are worth a lot like when the ncaa football game started surging in popularity last summer and i remember throwing out all my xbox games for really no reason at all i was like boy that probably should have held on that given that i was selling for 500 bucks but to me like i just don't view things as as that way so like if i played golf with a cool guy like yeah that's fine if it's like an event where you had to pay the normal green fees, but I, there's nobody I like that much like Michael Jordan, maybe, but even then he'd probably just be a dick and ended up losing more money than him.
0: Yeah. I was actually, I just thought of someone, I think it would be very fun to play around a golf with Charles Barkley because Mm. he has that notoriously awful golf swing. So I'd immediately kind of feel at ease. And I feel like he'd be very, um, light and lively about things. Lots of ball busting would probably want to gamble. Uh, it would be a (laughs) spectacle, Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that would be fun. Like how about Shaq and Charles Barkley, like get the like TNT crew out there playing around in a golf. We can throw in Ernie Johnson too for some right there. Uh, I, I would maybe pay pre
1: ha- pre becoming unemployed. I would have paid $5,000 for that experience. <laughs> I think like, so here's the thing. And I think you set up one thing here and it does kind of go with your ethos where you do the, you've done the NFTs, you're doing these different things that you've done uh, to, to win money. I do feel like playing Charles Barkley, the one thing would be if you're a slightly better golfer than he is, like you could probably rope him into paying you back for playing the game and then some, so you, at a certain point, like if Charles is bad enough, you could win that money back and he's basically paying you 5k a hole just to play golf with you. That's that's what I'm thinking. I'm playing the long game here. I'm trying to free roll this round of golf. That's <laughs> the 4D chess charity golf approach. Yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> Hang on, real quick. Did we miss the part about the interception? The in the uh, game. I I don't think I've
1: gotten there yet.
0: Because um, I had I had in my notes the the awful intersa- awful interception uh, with the safety just sitting down in the zone, and I had taken a screenshot of this. But if I think it might come back later in the episode too.
1: I have it next where he's watching the game tape again. Okay, um, we can talk that. about what, it yeah, so then. Yeah, so the next scene is him uh banging the hot girl. We talked about that <laughs> with Tramp Stamp. He's too in his own head, but I did like him. The next scene, he's grinding tape, so he is being productive with his time. Um, then he's mad about the... Yes, I guess it might be the tape grinding word as well. I didn't notice anything particular in that play, but I do just remember him in the actual game against New York. Like He definitely sailed the ball on that receiver, but I don't remember the play. The, pre- the previous week was Denver, I think, was who they played, and he fucked up with. That guy was... Yeah. They showed that play a lot. I didn't take any notes on it
0: here. Yeah. Let me, I just want to show this screenshot cause I did grab it here uh, just to show how ridiculous this is. So this is the look that McConnell sees here. I mean, defenders everywhere, like not even disguised, just completely sitting down in front of him. And then notice the receiver out here, just literally wide open for a touchdown with his arm up and McConnell's throwing it into, I see four white jerseys
1: right here. I mean, just <laughs> awful awful decision making that's funny because like i remember seeing the other angle of it where they show like his first person view and it doesn't look that bad i didn't catch this particular grab of it but that is definitely (laughs) like that guy is just right in front of the receiver there's no ambiguity i just don't know what and and then
0: the wide receiver just wide open in the flat just kills me i mean that's a walk-in touchdown right there
1: It's kind of funny because this play and I wonder maybe if there was something with the footage that they changed things around or like made the situations different because the OC later in the game during the New York game is talking about how like, why would you force the ball there? And in that New York game, the receiver was wide open, like could not be more open. Whereas this play, like whoever's throwing this ball is clearly forcing the shit out of it. (laughs) I would say that would be more accurate to point out this foible. This is a clearly a gigantic foible.
0: Yeah. And so then the coach comes and gives him the playbook for New York and it's 80% run plays. I mean, this is just killing me. And they're like, learn the plays. I'm like, what
1: do you need to learn? You're just handing the ball off every single down. He's got to learn his protections and stuff. There are things that go into that. And I think um, McConnell's reaction to that. uh, This is one that bothered me. Obviously, we talk a lot and across fantasy sports about not buying into DVP or BVP in baseball, all those. Uh, But McConnell thinks he should destroy the safety again because he played well last time. And somebody needs to tell McConnell it's not how sample sizes work.
0: (laughs) They're giving giving McConnell, the, the Jimmy G treatment. It's like, sorry, but you were too much of a liability. You need to hand the ball off 40 times a game. Um, it was, that was just beautiful. And then the little prop bet
1: with the coach is just one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. We continue the proud tradition on playmakers of athletic competition on the field, settling any sort of scores. The offensive coordinator says McConnell needs to be humble to be a winner. McConnell's asked if he learns that at a Juco or his one year of division two. So the offensive coordinator challenges the star QB <laughs> to a throwing competition for a hundred dollars. And I have to say, once it played out, like it made more sense. But initially I put this in all caps. Cause I was like, <laughs> me are too. you kidding me? What an asshole thing to do? <laughs>
0: well, also it, it did like come around a little bit, but initially it's like the whole issue with McConnell. Connell isn't his arm strength, it's his accuracy. So how are we going to settle this beef, seeing who can throw it the furthest down the field? I was like, can we at least have some kind of accuracy element to this? Uh, but little did we know that the the angle shot there was using the golf cart that just
1: happened to be going by to uh, to win the bet. Yeah. So McConnell hits a 65 yard throw. Whereas the off. That's a good point. The the offensive coordinator does throw an accurate pass into a Chekov's golf cart that then helps (laughs) get going and it goes downfield. And I have to say like, in terms of a teachable moment, like clearly McConnell, this didn't resonate for him in any way based on what we saw in the game itself at the end of the episode, but, I honestly thought like a pretty good moment by the offensive coordinator, a little too clever. Like there's no way a real offensive coordinator is doing that and also hitting the throw and having the lesson pay off like that. But like, it's like an Aesop's fable come to life. I feel like there's a lot of learning things here that went on from the OC.
0: And this goes back to just the writing, just being so unbelievably lazy. So what are the two practice arguments we've seen? How do they get settled? Two running backs in a 40-yard dash and a quarterback and an assistant coach. Who can throw it the furthest? I just saw a clip the other day of Carson Wentz and Mo Alley-Cox playing a game of knockout out on the field, they have like some busted up hoop and they were playing this very fun game and knockout. And it's like, give us something believable. These guys are action junkies. Like my guy, Patrick Laird was saying they were having chipping contests at their practice facility. Like anything to see like these guys as competitive juices showing elsewhere, they could be playing ping pong in the locker room. I would believe that so much more than who can throw the football the farthest.
1: Yeah, but it ends up being that the smart OC there winning and showing maybe showing McConnell something that doesn't take to heart. Also, this is a complete tangent, but it reminds to me with what you're talking about did you see the clip of miles garrett playing pickup hoops and dunking the ball this week no i didn't so he he's obviously a gigantic man he's playing i don't think against teammates i think playing against like rec leaguers or something but he's like crossing him over behind the back and dribbling it down court and dunking it on him and he looks like the largest man who has ever lived doing this like he looks like somebody that they would create in nba 2k just like to have the max size like max weight and all of that and he's unbelievably athletic like if you haven't seen this clip i don't know i'm gonna get it pulled a bit. up here Hopefully you don't get DMC eight on it, but it, it is a, uh, jeez, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and again he's enormous. Like, look at oh, we'll that reaction shot. <laughs> like it's like he's literally twice the size of these guys, both vertically and horizontally. <laughs> Man, it, that is the
0: thing too. Is like you know one thing I've heard, and I generally agree with that. A lot of NFL players are guys that played basketball in high school but then didn't have kind of like the prospects to go on and be elite college basketball players. So they transition over to football where the athleticism just translates in a more easy way. But then you see guys like Miles Garrett and you're like, these guys are as physically gifted and coordinated as those NBA players. Like you, you see him there. It's like, you imagine if he devoted his life to basketball since he was the age of 16, like there's no reason he couldn't be playing in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and he's got, definitely got a Zion Williamson look to him there, so buy, buy the Miles Garrett top shot, I guess, and hope that, that wins sales. It's only if it's a hollow, though. That's the only way you can assure the value. Uh, guy playing golf with DH saw him go for 278 yards against Tech in three quarters, and DH is shockingly competent for a guy, or golf, for a guy who doesn't seem to play golf, or at least historically hasn't played golf, uh, but I do have to say, I feel like the 278 yards, it is college, and it, he did say Tech. I made sure to make sure like he wasn't saying like Texas or something instead, but yeah. it seemed like it was a college game, and like that happens a lot, Pete, but still, like 278 yards in three quarters. Like DH is legitimately a beast who's getting the workload at every level.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Lendell White earlier, a guy that, uh, played high school football very close to me, went to USC. I, I think he probably had a couple 275
1: yard games at USC. I would imagine he was, he was in that range, but he had Reggie there too, vulture in some uh, of yeah. those opportunities too. But yeah, Lendale was Lendale's is the sad part of the USC story where he was so good in college. And, but i uh, got no respect that USC would get, I've said this on stories on the show before, but uh, there was one frat party I went to where they didn't let Lendale white in, let every other guy on the football team in. Cause Lendale wasn't 21. And I don't know if he's just a dick or something, or at least was at that point. But, wow. Yeah. That's a tough scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, So
0: yeah, about this DH golf shot, like again, they do the voiceover where they're trying to play up the, the kind of racial, um, undertones here, of the black guy from the hood, not having played golf. So, and I believe that, and I fully expected a shank an embarrassment to kind of play up that dynamic. And then he just, just drills it having never played in his life. I believe is the implication, just the most perfect drive on the number one tee with
1: all the pressure. Are you buying this? I, I don't, I did think that he had played some golf since being rich. Cause I think that was a subtext, like not in this particular environment where he's playing with like tech CEOs or whatever, but I do think that he had played some golf, like, cause he was saying like, you know, now you're here and you get it. But I do think like he would have to play a lot of golf for that clean of a stroke. Like he, and it, and maybe that was actually Omar Gooding doing that one. Cause I didn't see quite as much of a body double as far enough away where it could have been. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was a really good shot and clearly DH is a very talented athlete, even though uh, still not in great shape.
0: <laughs> and the writers i mean they they got me on that one with the fake out because they even, right, they did a zoom in on the ball right before he swung and there was like a fly buzzing around. It was like everything they were trying to say is he's about to be distracted and mess this up. And I was like, all right, you guys got me. I don't know the reason why you had to get me on that one, but congratulations, you got me. Maybe
1: it was part of like their, again, because of the ham-fisted writing, part of them being like, oh, he does fit in here too. Like he could go this way and could be equally comfortable and he's charming with the guys and all of that. So I think that's more what it is. Whereas if you showed him like being embarrassed, it would make it a little too obvious the way that he would go later on. So. I don't know. That, that's the way I would think it based on what we know of the hack need kind of playmakers writing a DH on the field gets a call from smalls or on the course gets a call from smalls. He doesn't take it with the owner giving a very skeptical and racist old white guy. eye. Uh, but we will see later on smalls coming back in Leon's trade didn't work out and he is not pleased with the wife's unconvincing. I am sorry. She then says you can't play forever. He's not pleased with that either. Uh, either the wife would not still move for a trade even though this one's fallen through and she's talking about other ones and then she says this is our success. Leon does not take that well and pete before we get into some more of the quotes here as a man who's been married for a while could you imagine how this fight would go in your own life yeah
0: i i promise you it would not end uh like <laughs> it did uh here i was just like i started to feel see it coming i was like okay i know what's happening here and i was just like this is the ultimate playmakers you know nfl taboo bingo card i mean this is the one right here once we hit domestic violence we have finally covered every single taboo
1: of the nfl so he says i made it you furnished it regarding the house which i felt was a pretty strong line the (laughs) one you you don't want to say if you want to save your marriage Uh, she takes credit for his reputation in the community which kind of bothered me and i look i've I've been very anti leon i also think the wife sucks i think i've made my stances clear but i do think that like she's taking a lot of credit for things that aren't necessarily deserved like you think they're going to dislike the pro athlete because he wasn't doing like occasional meet and greets with people for his charity (laughs) like i don't think that mattered very much
0: no it uh i don't think it did either and uh yeah like i said i i just check out in these scenes with leon and his wife and then uh seeing the direction they went with it i was just like this is way too heavy-handed
1: so she tries to hit him wildly he is grabbing her and then accidentally throws her down a flight of stairs which is not the best and uh certainly a bad look but I have to say, and I know we are just cancelable moment each episode. She did start it. Like she did. She oh, was God. and then he grabbed her hands and tried to get her to go. And they just happened to have, honestly, the real issue here is the construction of that house. Why was that stairwell there?
0: Okay. Yeah. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're already unemployed. No, I mean this is. I mean, the kids. The story that the kids heard was that uh, she slipped on a toy and fell down the stairs. So, I mean, that's that's their story
1: and they're sticking to it. Yeah, I would still say stairs in the middle of your house never going to be a good idea, especially with kids. But the boys uh, are told he tripped on a toy. She packed Leon's bag. We'll let him tell the sons why he's leaving. (laughs) And at this point, I just wrote yikes, and I feel like that's just a recurring theme for me with these Leon scenes. Where it's just yikes. It's uncomfortable. You'd maybe find it like darkly amusing if you just look at it. Like, oh, it is still a TV show with them doing. Doing this dumb shit, but just that's terrible. Like, again, they should just be out of each other's lives, and that ends up not being the case. Uh, DH's boys come over next and they take over his TV to play the video games, but his boys are also shitting on him at the same time because he did miss that GED graduation. DH ends up snapping because he doesn't need anything staying in his way. And I have to say, for a bunch of you know guys who are street toughs who grew up in the you know, hard knocks life, pretty fucking emotional about <laughs> this whole thing for themselves, and they're clearly being very annoying. I felt very sympathetic to DH here.
0: This- this part killed me. So, hey, God, I need to ask you a question to try to figure out how ridiculous this part was. Who owned the gaming system in your mind?
1: I, I think Leon did. I mean, yeah, not Leon. Excuse me, uh, D.H. did. So <laughs> why are they? <laughs> Leon actually owed it. D.H. took it from yeah. him.
0: <laughs> so why are they walking out with his game system? And the he one didn't guy to play still, anyway. He's they're still wearing his headset. And then it was like. It was, it was like they initially were like, yeah, we're getting kicked out, but we're, we're still taking the game. And then and then uh, Smalls is like, you know what? No, we don't need any of your stuff. It makes his
1: buddy take his headset off and give the whole thing back to DH. That part killed me. It was it was a little sad. I, I hope they had another video game console at their home. It didn't seem like it if they're taking the one from DH's house. But I guess on this little spat, Pete, are you more team DH or are you more team friends? Who I think they have a case to feel betrayed a little here, but they clearly are also mooching in a very inconvenient way.
0: Yeah, no, I I think so. In the macro sense, I'm definitely team DH, but yet it didn't seem like believable in how much he has you know, basically appease them every step of the way and has been willing to forego professionalism, being to practice on time because of his entourage, because of these other things in his life. So it seemed like a very convenient time to be like, now I'm done with you guys. Uh, So I did, there was a little sympathy, but the way they write it with these guys, just loafing and playing video games, it's uh, pretty easy to
1: side with the H. And then Leon has, uh, "We for some reason, we cut back to Leon. Leon says goodbye to his boys, points out that accidents happen, but it's just another yikes scene, and we the just move es- on. A- I'm so over the little Eskimo kisses with his kids. Like, I'm just, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> the kids are very cute, though, to their yeah. credit, I feel like. And they have great attitudes about this catastrophe going on around them. Uh, we are then on to game time, and a game that decides their playoff spot, though I, they make it seem more urgent than it is, because apparently there are still going to be more chances for them to make the playoffs. And one thing that jumped out to me, and I guess you can maybe ascribe it to the fact that it is, a game where they can make the playoffs DH return kickoffs while taking about like 30 carries a game not something I would do for my star player I wrote that down immediately I was like
0: (laughs) I was like either this guy is head and shoulders the best player on your team or this this, I I mean just why in the writers room can we not just introduce like just introduce one wide receiver who also return punts like you can just make him another character like I, I just can't
1: take it with Harris being the entire offense if there was. A, I wonder if they like if they wanted to do that. Maybe they're like, no, you can't focus on this when you people like, trim it down or something. Because I agree, just having one guy there who's also important, I think would have been helpful. But DH getting bottled up in the game. The players keep referencing a Superman showboating every time they hit him. McConnell's wildly overthrowing a receiver for a pick. Uh, the OC says the play was forced, even though, as I mentioned earlier, the wide receiver is wide open. And then McConnell says he's never been replaced in a game, but it would be a relief. For the first time, you think he may never play well again. But the Cougars down 16-10 mcconnell has open receivers everywhere but instead decides to hold the ball in a clean pocket scramble around until he completes a bomb to dh that dh catches with great aplomb and then fumbles at the goal line while taunting like a like a young leon Lett. and it is just a series of incompetencies here pete
0: yeah there's so much going on here so first of all mcconnell has the voiceover where he says to himself right before the play starts be humble take what's given to you. And then he immediately just hands the ball off. Like I thought we were setting up for like, you know, him scanning the field, making a good throw. No. Um, and then also his voiceover of, it would be a relief to get benched. And I was like, okay, I, I see that. And then he goes, it's not that you gave up. And I was like, it does seem like that would be giving up McConnell if it's a relief <laughs> to be benched because you can never
1: envision being good anymore. To me, that is the literal definition of giving up. Got to give McConnell credit, though. It was a pretty good throw, but I really question going to a broken play at that point of the game when he did have, like, there were guys open, like, that he was looking at that could have theoretically run the ball downfield, and instead he did that approach, and I feel like we're seeing right now, and McConnell clearly not the star on the team, and they are writing up 80% of the plays to be handoffs.
0: And also, this continues one of the other hallmarks, so every play involves DH in some capacity, Mm -hmm. and McConnell takes a hit on every single play. It doesn't matter if he's handing it off. He's dropping back. Like the play is ending with him on the ground getting smacked. Like this guy must take 25 hits a game.
1: I mean, honestly, I guess you could start to see why he stares off in the distance while women are (laughs) (laughs) going cowgirl on him. But that's neither here nor there. After the game, Olshik pissed at DH, pins him up against the locker, and Olshik lifts him up by his throat. And I feel like given how big DH is, like Olshik is a monster. Like Olshik is like pro wrestler strong with that. Yeah.
0: And uh, I mean... obviously too, the way he did it. Like normally we see you met, you referenced the Leon one. uh, We have the Deshaun Jackson, the showboating normally when they do that, it's, they broke away on a run and they have so much separation that they think there's no way someone's going to catch him. Like there was still a guy right on Harris when he did that. Like he didn't have 20 yards of separation to play around with. There was a guy right out of it. He just puts the ball down like right before he's about to get in the end zone. I mean, it's just absolutely a. the
1: guy was in his head i think was clear there and dh for whatever talent he may have in the field i think mentally not quite there with the game but yeah like putting that one out there with the guy that close i get he's been razzing you all game and really the defense been was clearly going hard after him but that was not the time we could do he could dance all over them with one more yard i think would have been the main way to approach that uh, leon finally gets a break as the media swarms around dh due to his fuck up coach asked leon if he's ready for next week says the job is his and leon says now that the moment is here you feel nothing and leon Leon continues to be very annoying overall would be here. Reporter gal says they have another thing to celebrate with Leon starting. Leon says he loves his wife as Samantha gets all grabby hands, which this time is in a crowded locker room with the media five feet away. And I just, the Samantha character is baffling. Yeah.
0: This is actually maybe what I was referencing when I was saying she was petting him in the locker room because it it was both times she did. Okay. Yeah. Both times. It's just like so over the top and like, can I believe that there would be some romantic um, vibes between a planner reporter? Sure. I'll buy that every day, but in public touching each other, like that just would not happen. There is no way, especially in like this day and age. I mean, the amount of other reporters, people talking about it, social media, it would be a basically a career ruiner
1: for a journalist to do that. And, yeah, uh, and, I think, and it's a woman no too. Like she would be stronger than that. Like, I think it's, it's kind of just like, you know, not the show is like great to women in any other way, but like, it's like disrespectful to like female media people. I know that's me being maybe a little more woke than they were in 2003 or whatever, but like, it's just shitty. It's just shitty for her too, as a character. Yeah. Um, also, there was the thing
0: where the reporters in that scene were uh, at McConnell's locker room and uh, they go, what was going through your mind? And it like he was pausing, trying to think of a really good response. And he gets like that smile on his face and he goes, Absolutely nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he was it's- so satisfied with that response. Uh, everybody turning on DH makes him more willing to take the call from smalls then. And uh, that's where that goes. But uh, before that we get Leon showing up at his house, the front door is bolted, but he brought flowers and didn't bang the reporter. So I guess for that's enough to get him in the door, the wife will not let him sleep with her. She wants counseling. Leon gets angry. The kids get out of bed. So she throws his flowers on the floor. And again, just Leon, things get better for Leon. Things get worse for Leon. Leon is a, a character that is just endlessly depressing. I
0: also love the camera work on that one. So we see, you know, Chekhov's flowers. We see the flowers. We see them on the ground. We know they're on the ground. The scene ends and then the camera pans down once again to the flowers on the ground in case we forgot the metaphor about uh, the bloom being off the rose for their relationship.
1: Yeah, it's, I hope it works out for these two crazy kids long term <laughs> but boy right now they are one of the most hateable couples DH's friend or DH's friend flashes a gun and I think this is actually Cal flashes yeah. a gun at a dude talking shit to DH at a club uh, the guy is also pretty aggressive and this to me I like I guess the fans recently in the NBA have been so egregious. just like Knicks fans apparently spat it or one guy spat at Trey Young uh, the other day the Sixers fans I guess is also yesterday a Sixers fan dropped popcorn on Russell Westbrook so maybe it does fit with the times right now people kind of wilding out now everything's open and back up but I do Feel like a guy just yelling at somebody at the club and then continuing to do it after a guy flashes a gun at him like i think that guy would stop at that point no matter how big of a sports fan he is yeah
0: there's a lot going on with uh this club scene here uh one of the funniest things to me is uh when cal is getting arrested and he yells they got nothing on me <laughs> after clearly firing a gun at a club
1: with probably like 100 eyewitnesses
0: <laughs> they got nothing on me i lost it
1: and then uh, the guy was waiting outside for them, allegedly. So one of DH's crew, the aforementioned cow did shoot him. Uh, they want DH to lie to the police because he's the one who has credibility, which again, given all the witnesses and information and presumably cameras and all of that does seem like DH giving his word wouldn't be enough to overturn that conviction. But I guess we'll find out in part two next week. But DH didn't initially reveal in police questioning that he's with a girl in the bathroom, just a person. He then goes back to the cops says he wants to give a statement, it says Cal was with him in the bathroom. And DH <laughs> says the owner was right about him having to choose sides he just got the sides wrong so any any final thoughts on how that one turned before we get to the awards
0: all right here's a question here uh for this bathroom you kind of get the implication that it's like a one hitter do you think this is a men's bathroom and then they were within a stall within that or was this just one door because this really strains the credibility of his alibi here
1: I feel like I saw a stall door at one point. So I think it was him in there. And this is what I would think. I was actually thinking about like, how would I lie again if I were DH and they busted me and were like, oh, you're with this girl. Cal, like Cal wasn't in that stall with you. I would be like, yeah, Cal was watching out like for watching out the sink. So that was how I envisioned that he could get out of it. So I'm treating it like it was a regular bathroom, but it could have been just a private room. It It's,
0: it's just an awful, awful alibi. Like you said, him being with the woman in there doesn't, That could just help his story because what if they go to her and they say, where were you at the time? And she says, I'm in the bathroom stall with DH like that also kills his thing. So and again, there's like a 100 eyewitnesses who saw it happen there. So him thinking like he's doing this great gift for lying for Cal when there's all kinds of evidence to the contrary just seems like a galaxy brain move by DH here.
1: Yeah, I would have just said he was he was keeping guard to make sure nobody came in. That would be, again, hindsight being twenty twenty. So DH didn't know this one He when he had this issue for himself. But I would say for him, if I had to give some advice, that's what I would do. Part two, we'll, we'll get to next week, and we'll see how this all falls out because I do think the next episode directly correlates to all the fallout from this one based on what I was seeing. But let's get to the awards. Who has the most fantasy upside is the question here. And we can maybe make a joke response, but it clearly has to be DH. He was proven to be a monster week by week, even if those fumble points will kill you. I'm, I'm begging the writers to just give me the
0: window to pick anyone else here. Uh, but I literally have to pick DH. He's the only
1: one who touches the ball. Uh, most unrealistic moment of the episode, oh, man, I'll, I'll give you this one first because nothing comes immediately to mind. I, I do not buy DH just
0: perfectly clean drive uh, with naria practice swing after not having
1: played for what seemed like a long time. I will say the coach hitting the golf cart. Like I bet he could have that idea. He could have (laughs) that in concept, but I bet that coach misses that throw at least half the time. I think that's the most unrealistic one for me moment that made the NFL the most mad. What would this one? I got to say DH lying to the cops would be the one that probably puts them over the top. No, it
0: has to be the domestic violence.
1: But to see, but even that, I feel like because again, the way that I'm, oh, I forgot you're on, you're on his side with that because (laughs) she started, it was (laughs) an accident side that like he was trying to stop her and then she just ended up (laughs) flying across the room, but it wasn't like he like backhanded her. I feel like they would be like, all right, this isn't great, but like the Ray Rice video is much worse. So we're going (laughs) to hold it on a scale (laughs) and be NFL happiest scene. Um, The happiest scene. man, I, I think it feel like the fans celebrating with DH after his touchdown and like showing some showmanship, but also not the sticker part they wouldn't like, but they would like the part with him with a cape and the crowd going wild.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so hard to think of like anything that's like realistic enough that, uh, it would be happy for the NFL. (laughs) McConnell watching tape, (laughs) (laughs) McConnell watching tape, uh, you know, the purest form of NFL distilled there. Yeah. that, That has to be it. Maybe they
1: would also love McConnell having sex, but being so distracted by his love for football that he couldn't even have sex the right way. <laughs> that could also be it. Asshole of the episode. I'm going to say it's actually, I'm going to say it's Smalls. I think I think Smalls was just being a little too needy as a friend. I feel like not understanding that he's kind of encroaching upon his meal ticket in DH. So I'll say he's the asshole of the episode. And, and I'll go with Cal for shooting a gun in a glove and then saying they got nothing on me. Uh, cool bro episode. I'll say his cow. What a, he is Cal. He's certainly he protected DH. He did not like that guy talking shit about DH. And I think you know DH uh line to the cops, also kind of a cool bro move, too. But it's got to be one of Cal or DH for me. Those guys just looking out for each other time and time out.
0: I'll um I'll shout out uh DH's uh friend's brother for getting his GED. I mean that's a pretty <laughs> cool moment, and uh shout out to everyone
1: for throwing a party. Teammate bonding of the episode. uh I feel like it's the lineman coming back on DH's side here, where they like DH is realizing who's on his side. The lineman, I guess, has his back in the media interviews, and whereas the owner doesn't, and everybody else doesn't. That's why DH decides to go the other way with things. Uh, but I think the teammate bonding is this lineman guy, and uh, really, arguably, as much of a victim of abuse as <laughs> as uh, Leon's wife is. But I feel like DH has gotten his head so much, and he's still there. He's willing to be a teammate, ride or die with DH till the end. So I'll give it to him.
0: You know what? I it, I was just racking my brain because there is so little like teammate bonding. But we did have the scene early on with Olshik and Leon or no, sorry, in McConnell, where McConnell was beating himself up after the game. And Olshik was kind of being like, hey, man, you just got to shrug wow. it off. You can't let it stick in your head. You just got to move on. And uh,
1: that was probably the closest we got to some actual NFL bonding there. Best actor award. Uh, I don't I don't even know which one this goes. I'll, I'll let you go first. So
0: even though the premise was not believable, I think the reporter like hitting on Leon, like she's like a believable actress to me. I thought she like
1: nails those notes pretty well. I'll give it to DH just because I feel like he's sort of representing a a real push pull that maybe similar people have gone with. And I feel like they gave him the most dramatic meat on the bones and it wasn't quite as hackneyed as the Leon stuff. So I'll say that's my best actor. Worst actor to me is going to go to Leon's wife. And I (laughs) just feel like I didn't love didn't love that old part. Felt like it made it even more uncomfortable. I I feel like she was not a great actress. No. Yeah.
0: Worst actor. Yeah, I'll, I'll double down on that one. Um, also I'll go with the coach delivering the line about, we have a division mm-hmm. rival on the road and we just lost to an ON7 team. Uh, again, another funny part of that scene too, just to like, how do you convey everyone being upset? Everyone's just throwing stuff on the ground in the <laughs> locker room. Like there has to be a better way to show that people are upset, but that is continually the go-to for sports movies, sports TV
1: shows is everyone throwing shit on the ground. Scene that wouldn't be on TV today. Um, I'll, mm, man, that's, that's another tough one. I, I, I feel like the domestic violence one, like there are still enough shows that like I've again, mayor of Easttown, really all these shows are now about uh, somebody killing an innocent woman somewhere. So I would say not that one. Um, What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I still think the domestic violence would be something that they wouldn't touch like that. Um, Yeah, mm. I don't know. Would would they would you would you have a guy getting a blowjob in a club while <laughs> while it's getting shot up? I, I don't
1: know. Yeah, they. Re- I feel like all these scenes would still be on TV today, and uh, yeah, really none of them are going to jump out. If you have one in chat, feel free to drop it, and we'll we'll shout you out. Playmaker of the episode, I, I feel like it has to be Cal. I mean, he did. He's a, a better job of protection than uh, McConnell's offensive line. D.H. clearly a star player. Who, but he also fumbled at the end of the game, so you got to dock him for that. And Cal's getting results. He he got one body on himself today, so I'll give it to Cal.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it to. Yeah, I'll stay in that vein and I'll say Smalls. I mean, like Smalls and Cal too, with hustling with like the shoe biz over there where they were going to try to sell like the free shoes. I think that uh, that DH had gotten those guys just they had a big episode. They were uh, they were moving and shaking throughout. They were kind of the instigators of a lot of the uh,
1: the plot development here. I think they were trying to make an album too at some point. Like they, <laughs> they had a lot of, a lot of great ideas. I don't know about the follow through on that one, but there we go. That is the episode here. Play a part two coming up next week. Uh, Pete, tell the people what you're doing here. Cause I know you got, got a little time away, hopefully for yourself. So what, what's the schedule?
0: Yeah, no, I'm uh, no, I, I got randomizer draft tonight with Andy Holloway from the, uh, the fantasy footballers. And then uh, yeah, going to take the weekend off. I might, I might do a chess stream if the weather is, uh, is bad going down toward the beach this weekend on Cape Cod, uh, the weather's not looking good. So I might pop in for a chess stream. You know me, if I, uh, if I go two days without a stream, I start getting the jitters. Um, otherwise I will be back on, on Tuesday morning for a best ball stream. So I'm going to take a few days off here.
1: Uh, now that I'm unemployed, I I just really want to lean into not doing anything. And I have shows I have actually two more shows today for Osmo I got shows tomorrow as well and Saturday and maybe even Monday so boy the the fun never stops here Also funny you said Cape Cod because I told my girlfriend I was like oh yeah Pete's going away so you have to record tomorrow And she's like oh where's he going? I was like I don't know, but I bet Cape Cod There you go. That's where we landed. So there we go. Enjoy your holiday weekends, guys. Make sure to hit the like button and of course, subscribe to both Pete's channel and the Splash Play channel. Check us out at Splash Play Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We will follow you back and we hope you guys enjoy your holiday weekends. We'll catch you guys again very soon.